check, check. Angela. All right, guys. Welcome. Good morning. So good to see you. We had a night of worship here last night, and I tell you, the Spirit of the Lord was upon this when we were worshiping Him in spirit and truth. And we want to carry that on today. Can you help us? Because my voice is gone, you're going to have to sing. So you might hear me kind of raspy, but you know what? God is so good. He's gotten us this far in life, and I know he's going to get us the rest way. Amen? Let's stand and worship him today. Yeah. 
Jesus in life, we have fellowship with one another. Amen. Amen. God is faithful. His mercy is new every day. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. Build our life on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ.
You know, as we as we sing that declaration in the in the bridge of that song, I will build my life upon your love. This scripture was brought to my mind. It's First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse four to eight. You know, when we say that, Lord, I will build my life upon your love. It's a firm foundation. That foundation of His love is described in this in this passage here. It says, "Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy." It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there, but where there are prophecies... There will cease where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. The love that we stand upon, you know, there's a lot of times when a song goes by, we just kind of sing it and not thinking of it. But if the band can just, you know, even in just a quiet way, just sing that bridge one more time as a church, can we understand what it is that we're truly singing when we say, Lord, I will build my life upon your love. The love that, that for in my personal life chased me for 18 years, that patient love that stood with me every single time that I put my fist to God. And I literally would do that when I was a younger age. I would literally put my fist up to heaven when I was mad, and I'd curse God. And, and he stayed with me that whole way, so patient with me, guided me every step of the way without me even knowing it. That love that doesn't require acknowledgement, that, that, that it needs to be boastful and everybody needs to know all about it. But he stayed with me. So if we can, as a church, just sing that one more time here with our hearts knowing what it is that we're saying. Father, we thank you this morning for being a God that we could put all of our trust in. And Lord, that we know that we could stand firm upon your word and your truth. Lord, I pray this week, Lord, I pray this week that as we go out, Lord, that as we live our lives, Father, that we would be reminded of the love that we stand upon. That we would be reminded of the rock that we so eagerly need to be pressed up against, Lord, to have some foundation in our lives. Lord, I pray that we turn to you, that we trust in you. Lord, even here this morning, Father, I pray that all the outside distractions, Lord, that we all, you know, could bring on in, Lord, I pray that we leave them at the door. Lord, I pray that you would just start to touch our hearts and our minds this morning and that we would be able to sense your Holy Spirit in this place. Father, I pray that as the message is preached this morning, Lord, that we would hear it, that our hearts would be open. Lord, open up our hearts this morning. Father, you are a God that can do these, these, these things. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that your will would be done. 
here today in this service as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Isn't it a blessing, guys, you know, that we uh, we serve a God that is not only so amazing, um, but yeah, look around you. Look around you just real quick for one moment. Just look at all these people in here. You know, some of you guys might think to yourself, Justin, you're a little spiffed out this morning. It's because last week, uh, you know, I was talking with Jim, and I said, man, you're always coming in here spiffed out. He's like, yeah, he's talking about it. I said, you know what, I'm coming in next week spiffed out a little myself too. So don't mind if I do. You know, and guys, if you're not in here and you're not all dressed up, it's okay. That's one thing that I was talking to Jim last week about. I said, I love this church, and the reason why is because you could come in here all dressed up, and you also could come in here, and, 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 and you can come in here with some slacks and, or some basketball shorts. And so uh, I love it. I love it. Come as you are, how, whichever way it is. But guys, it's so awesome to be here this morning. Welcome if you're joining us online. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, yesterday, I actually was tuning into the, uh, to the uh, Celebrate Recovery service, the night of worship. And I was listening to them play some music, and I knew this morning was going to be awesome in, in, uh, in worship because uh, Pastor Green had mentioned that, uh, that they were going to be leading us this morning. Uh, but guys, we're not alone. Listen, I got some people that I work with, and uh, you know, sometimes when I'm going to work, I'm like, uh. But it's so amazing when I come here to church, and I know the family that I'm going to meet here this morning, you know, so nice, so kind, smiling faces. Everybody's always got a word of encouragement. And uh, it reminds me that we're not here alone. And so this is why we come to this time of the service where we get to pass the peace with one another. And, uh, you know, it looks a little bit different. You know, right now we're kind of throwing air fires and waves. But really the truth is, is it's the meaning of it, right? And uh, as we talked about it many, many times, you know, uh, as we pass this peace, it's not just a, you know, hey, take it easy. But, you know, mean it from the heart. You know, that, that we would like the peace of the Lord to be with us here in this church, uh, in this world, in this place. The world is so, you know, stripped of it almost, I feel like. And I feel like the only way that the world could see it is when they see it in us and in our lives. They say, man, that person's so different. What is it? And it's because we have the peace of the Lord. And so we remind ourselves in this time uh, that the peace that we seek and the life that we seek is a peace that passes all understanding. And that peace is only given through Jesus Christ. And we are not here alone, and so we pass that peace to one another. So may I be the first one to tell you this morning, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Take some time to look to one another and pass that peace. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I see some of you in here that aren't supposed to be here today. And so I want to say praise God. Man, if I were you, I'd be at home right now. I'd be milking it for all I could. Man, it's great to see you. And you're not supposed to be here. And you're not supposed to. God does some amazing things, right? Uh, the healing, the, the miracles that he has given us through technology, and then just the plain old miracles we can't explain. Uh, I want to praise God that I, that I, for all of you, but some of you especially this morning, as I didn't really expect to see some of you here, and uh, it is great to see you. 
Well, we have a few things that we're doing. Uh, we're, we're in the snapshots of the kingdom right now. We're talking about how the kingdom of God looks in our everyday lives, how you're living them out, how others around you are living it out. I know it is really awkward to say, hey, here's me doing a good deed and taking a picture. So, yeah, I'm not one to... Don't send a picture of yourself unless you just have the extra special confidence that I don't understand. But if you see others, you know of others that are doing some amazing things, send in some pictures uh, as we would like to share just what it looks like to have the kingdom of God being brought to fruition by our, our ways of living here on earth. So send that to office at ponaz.church. That's office at ponaz.church. And if you have just uh, Polaroids or something, drop them in the mailbox. We'll scan them. Next, we've got our good neighbor offering. Uh, I want to I want to thank you all who gave to the work in Haiti. Uh, it was it was pretty amazing. I'll be delivering that to them soon. And this month, we are focusing on Waverly, Tennessee. So it is a, a church and a community that was really just wiped out, really wiped out by flooding. Uh, just it, it's horrible. And some of them will never recover. But we are going to do what we can. And uh, you all are way more generous than I ever expected. Um, we're just going to help them out however we can. However God leads you, we want to help out the people of Waverly. I know the Pastor Garen, he has some close ties there. But it's just us being neighborly and loving people that we have never met and never will meet. But letting them know that God works in ways that they never expected. Then, November 14th, we are planning a mortgage-burning celebration. Now, we don't, we don't have everything worked out, but it's going to be pretty magnificent. The latest plan so far, as far as I know, uh, has something to do with Danny on a motorcycle jumping through this ring of fire. And, and, as, and as he passes through, the, the mortgage catches fire. He lets go of it and just by the time it hits the ground, it's ashes. It's really amazing. Yeah, there's no practice, no practice involved. So we're, we're looking forward to that, Danny. It's going to be. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think right now we are uh, going to time of tithes and offerings. Uh, it is nice to know that, you know, I've worked for a lot of church organizations, Christian organizations, and sometimes they're like, where does that money go? Like, uh pastor must be having some great lunches because nothing ever seems to get done. The fact that we are going to have a mortgage-burning celebration here, I, I think it's awesome because as a, as a pastor, I always hated how much money went to the building. Because I was like, man, the poor out there are suffering and we're buying a building. And as this thing is really, I mean, the, the mortgage-burning is the 14th of November, but it's going to be paid off before then. We are going to be able to bless the community around us, those in need, more than you ever imagined. Um, pastor's not in here right now, so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to trick him into doing this week. Uh, this week is the pastor's retreat in Daytona for our district. And we're like, we're not paying 500 bucks a piece to go to some retreat down the street from our house. So what I'm going to convince him to do is sneak in with me <laughs> after breakfast so we're not, you know, you know. And I want to lead with him some of the pastors from around Florida that are going to be here. You ever, you ever think about planning and lack of planning? I think it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful coincidence that they are having all the pastors of the district meet down by Main Street 
during Biketoberfest. I don't think they have any clue what they were doing and what they're going to, but I see this as a wonderful God given coincidence that we can get in there and say, Hey guys, and we know you got a bunch of free time today. Come for a walk with us today and dream with us about what can happen in our community. So, uh, the plan is to hopefully trick some of those guys into, Hey, let's go for a walk. We want to show you some of the size of Daytona. And pretty soon their eyes are bigger than they've ever been before as they're like, this isn't church. That's the point, guys. Jesus is here and wants to be here. And so uh, it's nice knowing you if we get kicked out of the district after this one. But it was, it's, I think that God is going to work in mysterious ways through poor planning on someone else's part. You ever seen that happen before? God takes the worst, craziest things and turns it into something great. All right, well, so we do have our, our offerings. Yes, ma'am. Uh, did I? Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it is a pleasure as we all work together, as we all bring in the kingdom together. And we are very appreciative that we just, we have great people to spend time with. We really do. So thank you all. All right, well, as we go, we're talking about the mortgage burning, all that. Now is a time of offering. I think we probably have a screen, a screen here to put up. So let's give our tithes and off, offerings. Know that it's going somewhere well. The mortgage will be paid off here any second now. And God will be moving through what you give.
What a great song. Amen? Oh, man, that's a tough one. That little word, A-L-L. It gets you every time, doesn't it? Sure it would be nice if it was some to Jesus I surrender. The parts I don't like, I surrender to Jesus. The parts I wish he would make better, I surrender. That's not what it says, though, is it? Oh, well. Oh, well. Well, I am exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. My wife and two daughters are away on a a pastor's kids retreat. And uh, they're up with about 400 other pastor kids from all around the southeast. And when they're away, I don't sleep. So uh, I'm hoping that everything I say is... uh, going to make sense. If it's not, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will tell you what I should have said. So, and he will. Uh, now, it's funny. So they're heading up and they're going up Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And my wife sent a text to about five uh, of the teens that are going up that she was taking up and their parents. And one of the things she said was, try the European backpack challenge. Because she understood that there's a van and there's six people. We don't have room for a lot of luggage. So try the European backpack challenge. Pack as lightly as you can. You don't need to bring everything. Just bring what you need. Does that make sense? Uh, How many of you are light packers? How many of you are like me and you're like, I'm going to think through every possible scenario that could ever happen and then I'm going to double what I think I need. If I'm going for an overnight trip, I mean like like we get in the car today and we're coming back tomorrow, I pack a minimum of three of everything. Socks, shorts, underwear, shirts, shoes. Sometimes I even throw in a pair of khakis just in case. I know, isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah, way overprepared. I mean, when we're talking overprepared, uh, Jen is not that way. So we'll, we'll be going and she'll have a little duffel bag and I'll have like one of those big, like, like, like I'm going to France for a year kind of thing. Um, I, you know, I want to be ready for anything. I want to be prepared for everything. I don't want to take anything for granted, and I just want to be sure. Which really, you know, it gives me a lot of control. It makes me feel very secure because I know I'm ready. Uh, It also gives me a sense of exhaustion. It's just exhausting thinking about every possible scenario. It's exhausting when... Everyone's carrying a little backpack and I'm lugging around carts. It's just physically tiring. It's emotional. It's emotionally tiring. It's, it's burden, burdensome to carry so much more than I should carry. Are you with me? And yet I do it every time. Man, it's so hard to just Travel lightly. It's so hard to just say, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be an adventure. My wife loves an adventure. I love planning. The problem is, 
in all of my planning and in all of my preparing and in all of my doing and in all of the things that I bring with me, I miss so much of the beauty along the way. And I think, well, this is what I've been thinking about this week as I've been preparing for this text. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10. Wow, how about that? You thought for sure I was going to say Matthew, didn't you? We're going to be in Mark chapter 10. We're taking a break from the Sermon on the Mount and we're talking about these snapshots of God's kingdom. What it might look like. And the easiest way to talk about what it might look like is how did Jesus talk about it? What did he prioritize? What did he focus on? And if we can get that right, chances are we'll be pretty close to the kingdom. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. I don't have the words for you. If you have your Bible, you're welcome to pull it out. If you have your digital Bible on your phone, you're welcome to pull it out. You're also welcome to hear the words. You know, until just a few hundred years ago, this is the way it happened. The people would gather and they would hear the word of God. And so you're welcome just to sit back and hear as I read from Mark chapter 10. I'm going to start with verse 17, and this is what it says. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, so we have Jesus, he's heading to Jerusalem. This is right before Passover week, so Jesus knows he's heading to the cross. He knows that's where he's heading. As Jesus was heading toward Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Basically, he's going through, you know, these Torah lists. This, you know, not just the 600, but he's narrowing it down to, you know, the Ten Commandments type of thing. He's like, you know what you're supposed to do. Teacher... The man replied, I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. Can you almost hear the... I don't know, maybe that's not what he was thinking. But looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done. Go. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. And then, come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. Some of your translations will have it written out. It's very hard for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Can you imagine? It's like, well, then what hope do we have? Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But not with God. 
everything is possible with God. Jesus, I pray that you'll take the words, these ancient texts written thousands of years ago, and that you will bring them to life in our midst. I pray that you'll open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that as we've read Scripture and as we're going to elaborate on them, that that your word will go deep into our hearts and that we won't just hear, but we will respond. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we have this story, and I'm guessing most of us have heard this story. We know about the rich man. What, what must I do to be saved? And, and if we're not careful, we can rush past this story onto the next part of the Bible. But I think there's something for us today. I think there's a way for us to get a better picture of the kingdom of heaven in this story. I think it's as if Jesus is going, snap, this is what it looks like. So I just want to give you a couple of thoughts, and then, and then we'll, we'll pray about it. You know, the first thing I notice uh, is, is this progression of language. So, like, if you look in your Bibles, you know, you have books, you have chapters, you have verses, you have titles. I, I'm assuming we all know this, but I don't want to take this for granted. When this was written, those were not there. We understand that, right? This was, we, we added titles and we added chapters and verses so that we could easily find what we were looking for. It's like, it's like the Dewey Decimal System of the Bible. We know exactly where to look if we know chapter and verse of the book. And so this wasn't there. And so it's not like um, people were like going, well, this makes perfect sense because it didn't make perfect sense. It didn't make sense at all until we look at the bigger chapter and, and, we, and we look at what's going on before that. And right before that, we see that Jesus is dealing with these, uh, these parents who are bringing their kids to Jesus and they want a blessing because we all want a blessing for our kids, right? And, and the disciples are like, hey, 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 hey. It's like they're the, they're the security guards and they're like, no, no, you don't have an all-access pass to Jesus. He's busy. He's going somewhere. And Jesus tells them, no. No, their faith, their type of faith, this faith where they just love with all they have. They don't have anything to give, but they give themselves this kind of childhood faith. This, this childlike faith is what I'm looking for. This is how you do it. And it's, it's interesting how Jesus will actually, when he talks to them again and he tries to explain it, he says, dear children, it's as if he's reminding them, remember, what we're talking about goes back to, are you going to have the kind of childlike faith that, that we were just talking about previously? And so we have these chapters and we have these verses and we have these titles, but we didn't actually have, mine says, I think, the rich man. Yeah, the rich man. It's not like people in the day knew what was going on. It's not like they identified it. And in fact, you'll notice in verse 17, he's just identified as man. We have no knowledge of his financial situation until much farther down the road, until, until we get to verse 22 where he says that the guy was, in fact, rich. So we, we don't have this idea from the beginning that he was rich, and I think that that's important. And here's why I think it's important. Here's the first point. 
Jesus always recognizes our humanity before he addresses our baggage. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that Jesus always starts from the place of, I love you? Not what you have, not what you can do for me, not your deficiencies, not your giftings. I love you. And Jesus always starts from the place of humanity, from the place of the person. That's why Mark is like, hey, let's just start it off with, it's just a man. And then as Jesus identified the man and started to get to the heart of the issue, that's when he started to identify some of the baggage that the man had, some of the ways that he wasn't traveling lightly. And so we have this idea that Jesus always recognizes our humanity. And it's because Jesus sees more than just the outward appearance. Right? It makes me think of 1 Samuel. There, there's this passage in the Old Testament where Samuel, the prophet of God, is going. So you have Saul, this king of Israel, and Saul has not done a good job. Saul has not done what God wanted. And God says, I'm going to find someone new. Samuel, go to the house of Jesse. We're going to find a new king. This one's not going to serve me. Let's find one that will. And so Samuel goes there and Jesse lines up his men. You got all these great guys and they're all strong and ruddy and they're, oh yeah, you know. And Samuel is like, oh yeah, look at that dude. He's tall, he's strong, that's got to be the one. And God says, nope, nope, that's not it. Well, what about that one, God? No. Okay, God, that guy looks average, but I'm sure you can make him, nope. Okay, God, we're hitting the lower... Lower portion of the barrel here. No. And God says something that many of us have heard. Remember, God says, I haven't chosen them. Don't look at their outward appearance because man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. Man looks at what you're carrying with you, the baggage you're carrying with you, whether it's good or bad. I look at the person. Don't, don't judge by appearance. I'm looking at who the person is, not what they look like. Man, isn't that opposite from what we do? I mean, let's be honest. We're always looking at, is it a man? Is it a woman? Is it tall? Is he short? Are they rich? Are they poor? Are they American? Are they non-American? Are they smart? Are they dumb? Are they mean? Are they kind? We like these dichotomies because we can label people. We even do it. One of the first things I'm trying so hard to break is this. I'll meet someone and I'll be like, Hi, what's your name? And you'd say, Mary. And I'd say, Hi, Mary. So tell me, what do you do for a living? Because if we can identify what they do, we can start to label who we think they are. God forgive us. Aren't you thankful that God isn't like that? God always looks at our humanity before he addresses our issues. Now, don't get me wrong. God still wants to address our our baggage. God still wants to deal with how we're traveling so heavily because we're not meant to carry all the burdens that we're carrying. God wants to address it, but the first thing he does is he sees us. And then, once he sees us, he says, hey, you know... um, I see you, and, and I'm just wondering, would you like a little help with all that you're carrying? I mean, I, I'm, I'm good at dealing with messes. I'm good at forgiving people. 
I'm good at, at making beautiful things from ashes. I'm, I'm good at putting together broken things. I see you as a person, but there's so much more. If you'll just lay some of your burdens down, if you would travel a little more lightly and let me help you, wow, your life would, it would change. So the first thing we notice is Jesus always recognizes our humanity before he addresses our baggage. The second thing that came to mind this week, Jesus calls us to participate in the restoration of all things. Jesus calls us to participate. Christianity is not a passive activity. This man is talking, he's asking questions about the afterlife. And we all do that, don't we? We want to know what, what, ha- what comes next. What happens after I die? God, if I were to meet you today, where would I be? Where would I go? The man is talking about what's to come. And Jesus is saying, you're asking the wrong question. A better question is, what is eternal life? And when does it begin? So you think eternal life is this reward that I'm going to get and it's going to start down the road. But that's not really the way it works. And he takes the the man back to the basics of the Torah, which basically, if you look at the Ten Commandments, it comes down to the first section is loving God and the second section is loving others. you got the first four commandments that deal with your relationship with God and then five through ten deal with how are we going to relate with each other. Love God. Love others. And the man feels, hey, I've done a pretty good job. I've got those ten down. I mean, I'm good. And then Jesus responds with something that will shock everyone in the room that day. Jesus offers him eternal life in the present. Not in the future. He offers him eternal life in the present and he calls him to usher in the kingdom of God with his life right now as he follows Jesus. This isn't a, what am I gonna be, where am I gonna be at the end of my life? This is, how am I gonna live my life now? Under whose authority will I be? Who will I live my life for? Will I carry my own stuff or will I surrender it to Jesus and follow him? See, God's the only eternal. So the guy is asking for eternal, but God is the only eternal. And if we're wanting eternal life, that only happens as we are grafted into this life of God that happens as we surrender to Jesus. That is how we have eternal life. But Jesus isn't a then and there God. Jesus is a here and now God. And so if we want eternal life, we can have it and we can have it right now. And it happens as we participate with God in his kingdom right here right now this is when eternal life begins this is our moment and again i think it's important to remember the guy wasn't bad the guy was actually doing exactly what he had been taught exactly what the church or the temple had taught him to do he was being a good guy but jesus was calling calling him to go far far beyond what the guy was living. 
Jesus was calling him to be proactive in his faith. It's not that the guy had done wrong. The guy really hadn't done anything. He had just avoided doing things. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't sinned. I haven't. Jesus is saying, it's not about what you haven't done. It's about you doing. It's about you being in my presence. And as the kingdom of God comes, you participate in it. And that brings you eternal life as you are growing the kingdom of God, which is giving other people eternal life as they come to know me because of how you're living your life and you introduce them to me. And the kingdom of God expands. Jesus is calling us to a life that's proactive and and then Scripture says the guy leaves sad. Now, in fairness, we don't know why he left. We don't know if he said, wow, this is harder than I thought. I don't think I want this, Jesus. And he left sad. Scripture says because he had a lot of possessions. Or, in fairness, it could be that he took seriously what Jesus was saying. And he was like, this is going to be hard. This is going to be difficult to let go of things that I've carried for so long. This is going to be difficult to put you as a priority over all these other things. In this guy's situation, it was possessions. In our situation, it may be something else. But I wonder if he left sad because he knew what he had to do. And he left to start the process of surrendering things so that he could follow Jesus. We don't know. All we know is what Jesus turned around and said. And he used an example and he said, oh, it's hard for people, he says, with riches because that was the man's issue. Not because money is evil. That was the man's baggage that he was carrying. And he said, it's hard for people who are carrying things that they care about to surrender them to my lordship. So he says, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And, and we don't know exactly what he meant by that. It could be that he was using hyperbole because that's what Jesus did a lot of. I mean, think about it. When Jesus says, unless you hate your mother and father, you can't follow me and be my disciple. Of course, Jesus is not saying hate your parents. It's hyperbole. It's an extreme exaggeration to say your love for me should be so great that all other loves pale in comparison. We don't know if that's what Jesus is saying. Man, it is hard for people who carry their own luggage, their own baggage to enter into the kingdom of heaven. We don't know if it's hyperbole. We don't know if it's an issue of translations. In the Aramaic, like this was written, the word camel and the word rope are homonyms. So as you were hearing Jesus talking, Jesus didn't scribe this down. As Mark was hearing this, he could have picked the word that he thought was most appropriate. But let's be honest. If Think about um, tethering a plane or a boat or something like that to a dock. I mean, you use rope. You don't use string. You use rope. Could you imagine trying to get rope through the eye of a needle. So it doesn't matter if it's a camel or a rope. The point is still, man, th this is something that you can't do. This is something that only God can help you do. The third way that this could be interpreted is the way that I like. 
just because I'm a visual learner. That's how I, that's how I roll. So, so there's this gate in the wall of Jerusalem. And it's called the eye of the needle. And so here's what happens. If you want to get into Jerusalem, this gate is open. And you can come in, you can go out, and you can bring everything you need. However, at night, for safety, Jerusalem is protected. It's fortified. There's safety inside the walls. And if you want to be inside the walls, these doors aren't open. But there's this little eye in what looks like the head of a needle. You can get into the city still, but in order for you to bring in what you're carrying on your camel, you've got to unload the camel. You can't fit the camel through the eye of the needle if it's carrying anything. So you have a choice. Am I willing to do the effort of packing lightly or unpacking some of these things to get into the safety of the city? Or am I willing to risk it and stay outside until a more convenient time? I think that's what Jesus was talking about. I think in a similar way, each of us is carrying baggage. This text was picked because last night we had Celebrate Recovery. Here's just a few of the, the items in your suitcase that maybe you struggle with. I think it's interesting. We always think, oh, Celebrate Recovery is just like AA for Christians. No, it's not. It's, it's for any habit any hurt, any hang-up, any baggage that you're carrying that you shouldn't be carrying, that's what CR is for. It's for things like shame and pride and grief, unforgiveness. Jesus uses money in this situation because that was what this man was struggling with. Money is not evil. In fact, I hear it's actually quite nice to have. Right? But when I say money is the most important thing, security is the most important thing, I am not willing to let go of it in order to have more of God. That is when it becomes a heart issue. For many of us, money is not our baggage. It's these other things. For many of us, it's something that has nothing to do with financial status. But make no mistakes, we're all carrying more baggage than we need to. And Jesus is saying, until you're willing to unpack some of the garbage that you're carrying with you, you'll never make it into the safety of my love in the way that you're supposed to. What would happen if you would just trust me? Enter into my safety, my shelter, my love, and let's just see what happens once you unpack the camel. So I just have a couple questions for you, and then we're going to come to the table. My first question is, I want to dig a little deeper into 
these other things. And my question is, what are you carrying with you? And I've had to do the hard work this week of trying to figure out, God, what am I carrying with me that I was never meant to carry? What am I straining so hard to control and have with me? And if I would just set it down, life could be so much better. I've been thinking about the song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. That's the phrase that goes with this section, but... The hymn, I'd Rather Have Jesus, goes through a whole list of things that pale in comparison to Jesus. What if I could just let go? When I pack lightly, when Jen forces me to carry less, I've noticed it changes my trip. I have less to carry. Physically, it changes my trip. I love it. It also gives me this awe and wonder of, I don't know what's going to happen, and I may not even be prepared for it, but bring it. And I wonder if there are some of us that would just let go of some things and say, God, I've been trying to manipulate my life and have everything I need I'm going to surrender some things. And I don't know what's going to happen, but if you're with me, bring it. I don't, I don't need all of this baggage if I have you. So I don't know what it is, but anything that's weighing you down is what's keeping you from getting through the eye of the needle. It could be money, it could be popularity, it could be talents, it could be It could be good deeds, it could be pride, it could be blatant sin that you know that you're doing and you know God wants you to stop doing and yet you just aren't willing to give it up yet. It could be pain from days ago, from years ago, from decades ago. It could be surrendering your dreams or your retirement or your preferences Or it could be your unwillingness to forgive. Maybe your grudge is what you're carrying. Are you traveling with extra stuff? That's the first question. And then the second question, if you've identified something you're carrying that you weren't created to carry, would you be willing to unload and set it down Would you be willing to let go of everything you have if you knew that you could get all that He is? Would you be willing to trade these trinkets of your life that you guard so fiercely to step into the open spaces of God's grace and travel lightly with Him? The older I get, the more I'm noticing this correlation between how much baggage I carry and how heavy my spirit feels. And the times when my spirit soars are the times when I'm more surrendered to God. And then as things slowly creep in, it's amazing. I feel 
the weight of them in my life. They affect how I think, how I pray, how I treat others. Because here's the hard part. This isn't a one and done thing. You're constantly fighting to unload what you're constantly putting back on. It is a lifelong surrender. And it happens little by little, glorious moment by glorious moment, but it only happens when we surrender. Are you tired? Is your back aching from carrying things that it was never created to carry? I think of the, the scripture that talks about Jesus. You know, if you would yoke yourself to Jesus, you would find that your burden is so much lighter. So let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm praying that something has spoken to you today. And I don't know what it is for you that you're carrying because your baggage is different from my baggage because we've all had different journeys. I don't need to know what you've been carrying. What my prayer is, is that you would be willing to give it up and set it by the side of the road. That you would enter into God's kingdom unfettered and unweighted down by all these things that we've said are so important and yet in reality, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. God, Do what only you can do. I can't speak to people's hearts, but your spirit can. I've presented what I feel like you have for us today as a church, as a people. I want our church, I want our, our, our church family to be snapshots of the kingdom. I don't want us to deal with the burden and the struggle and the grief and the pain and the sorrow and the frustration of carrying things that we weren't created to carry. And then, like that cycle of insanity, we keep trying and we keep trying and we keep trying and we keep getting frustrated when really if we would just let it go, stop holding on to that and start holding on to your hand, our load would be much lighter when you lift the load. When we can surrender it and give it to you. I pray that for each of us today. I pray that you'll help us to start to unpack some of the chaos in our lives that's been weighing us down. And as we do, I pray that you will help us to have glimpses of your kingdom as we walk into your glorious grace. And this freedom that comes unfettered. We can't carry huge suitcases up mountain trails. If we would travel more lightly, we could go more places. God, I think that's true with our spirits too. 
if we would surrender everything to you, if we would carry less burdens, you would send us to more places that would reach more people. I pray that you'll do that. But that happens as you change our hearts and teach us how to surrender. And so, all to Jesus, we surrender. All to Him, we don't grudgingly give, we don't apprehensively give, we freely give. And we will trust you to lead us into deeper spaces of your grace. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the only one who can make this possible. You made it quite clear we can't do this on our own, but with you, all things are possible. May our surrender be a possibility today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, now we come together to uh, share in the, the, the bread and the juice together. If you don't have it, um, feel free to go back there or raise your hand. Maybe we'll get Justin to deliver some. This is a special time as the word communion. I know we've gone over this before, but it really is connected to the word community. We are doing this together. Look around at your neighbors. There are people in here seeking Jesus just like you are. That makes a big difference. When I meet someone and I'm like, wow, you're a Jesus seeker as well. You want to know Jesus. Just know that your neighbor in here, no matter how different than you than you they are, they are seeking Jesus. And that brings us into a community, into a way where we commune together that is unlike any other community I've ever been a part of. There is, let's face it, if we weren't Jesus seekers, there's pretty little chance that we would hang out together at all, right? That's just kind of how we are. But as we get to know Jesus, as he moves in us and changes us, we learn to love in different ways. We learn to explore in different ways. So I want you to think about the disciples. I don't know if you've watched that that series, The Chosen, at all, but I really like it because it just gives a good look at what the disciples might have been like. They were very, very different from each other, and they didn't all get along together on human terms. But as they grow, as the disciples grew closer to Jesus, understood Jesus, accepted Jesus, they had something in common that superseded all the diversity that they had. We love to talk about diversity today. We don't love to talk about what actually brings us closer together and supersedes all that junk that is just superficial. So here, together, in the presence of Jesus, let's take the bread. Or whatever this is. You guys have good imaginations, right? Jesus took this with his, with those guys who said, Jesus, we want to know more about you because you have changed us, because your love is unlike anything we've ever, ever even dreamed of. And he said, guys, I'm about to be broken for you. You're not going to understand it all, 
but you will, and it's going to be changing more than you ever imagined. And he said, take this. This is my body. And when you eat it, do so in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And I still don't think they understood what he was talking about when he talked about his blood being shed for them. And they might have had a little better idea than we would have at first as they understood sacrifice and cleanliness and how sacrifice was needed to somehow take care of the sin on the inside. But he built a community and his community lives on today in us. So I am thankful as I look at each and every one of you that I know that you as a God seeker, we have something in common that supersedes all the differences that we have. Age, place of birth, race, anything at all. It is all nothing comparison to the community that we have built because of Jesus. Let's remember him as we drink this together. Father, we are so thankful for you. As you and the kingdom that you are building through us, with us, the kingdom for us. Oh Lord, we are so thankful that we can come together and know that as we seek you together, this community is something that is beyond the wildest human dreams. We praise you, Father, and as Pastor said today, help us to let go of all the things that control us, all the things that weigh us down, and know that when you are the center of everything that we are clinging to, all the burdens are gone. We're as light as a feather as you carry us, and we're not weighed down by the baggage of this world. We love you, God, and we look forward to more of this adventure you've got us on. Your name, amen. Amen. Will you stand with me? As we leave today, uh, if you're visiting with us, we sing our benediction, and uh, then we go out and we, we enter and we worship as a church, and then we go out to be the church to the world, because that's where the ministry happens. So will you sing with me our benediction? We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.